0: Start Me Up Podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network in association with Mueller She Wrote Media. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnson in DC. Today, I'm going to be talking with Steve Pearson. He was an actor slash entertainer, both in front of and behind the camera. He's a grassroots organizer and activist. He is a former swing left national training director and a proud union member. He's running for California State Assembly. I have so much to ask him. But before we get into it, The Start Me Up podcast is independent, listener-funded, and woman-run. Visit patreon.com slash startmeup to see the variety of tiers offered, including the option to get two bonus What's Up episodes per week, kind of like my online journal where I get a little more personal and talk about whatever is on my mind. There's also an ad-free tier with a much shorter intro. Just visit patreon.com slash startmeup. Now please enjoy my conversation with Steve Pearson. Welcome to the show, Steve.
1: I'm so happy to be here with you. Thanks for having me.
0: I'm happy you're here too, and I'm happy you're running. I'm so glad. This is so <laughs> awesome. And I did talk to uh, Mariah. What, was, what is Mariah's last name? I'm sorry, I forget. Mariah Craven. Yeah. Mariah Craven. That's such a cool name. Um, I spoke yeah. to her, and she is with, with, works with you. Now, explain how you guys know each other and what you do okay. together. Yeah,
1: uh, Mariah actually uh, ha- is now raising her second child now, so she's wow. taking a little time off.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, we we got together, um, I guess, early 2017 when we were organizing and and building the Blue Wave here in Southern California, and she was the executive director of a group called Sea Change, which was Karen Bass's mm. uh, organizing pack that she put together to help. You know, build capacity and build volunteer strength, and flip all those districts that we flipped in the 2018 wow. midterm elections. So Mariah and I uh, were running buddies. We, you know, were you know building our our coalitions together and doing all that really, really important work. And uh, and when we were thinking about doing a podcast, she was she was the first person I thought of to cool. partner with me on it because uh, she's so smart. She was also uh, the digital director for. Kamala harris's senate campaign and she worked for alex padilla and wow. she's uh, a brilliant organizer and just as you know mm-hmm. from talking to her just a wonderful person just super nice, She's
0: super nice just yeah. got the biggest heart so yeah it really came i through. miss her we had fun yeah and you know what she was somebody had recommended i talk with her so sometimes when that you know that happens it's recommended as opposed to me going after someone you know it may not be the interview that i was hoping for but she like she was just like you said she's wonderful she she's she was so fun i really enjoyed talking to her I, I, I forget so much of the details though, of the people that I've talked to, I remember their essence, but then when it comes to the details, I'm like, Hmm, I can't remember all the details. So anyway, but yeah, so this is really cool. I don't know
1: about you, but like, <laughs> cause I interview people on, on the show every week Yeah. and I've got, I've got a stack of books
0: yes. that are like partially read, <laughs> you know, like with little
1: markers in them yeah. in the first quarter, maybe I've read and yeah. And I keep wanting to go back to them all because they're so brilliant, but yeah. then another, the next book comes, next and book. i got to study up on that. So
0: <laughs> It's so true, and then you just do this all the time. I, mean, I do two of these a week, and it's not like – I mean, there are people who do shows every day, but still, it's like you do it for years, and it's like you just can't remember everything, but – that's okay. Um, I want to talk about you. You're running for California state assembly. I just wanted, this was really interesting. I went to your about page on your website. Um, your dad was special counsel to president Lyndon B. Johnson helped implement the civil rights act of 1964 and great society programs such as Medicare and Medicaid. Holy crap. That's so cool. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Kudos to your dad.
1: yeah, Yeah. I'm really, you know, my dad was an amazing guy and, um, uh, has so many great stories to, to, you know, that he shared about his Johnson years. In fact, I actually, um, a few years ago, did a um, Father's Day episode on the podcast where I interviewed him. Oh, wow. Because there were so many parallels to what was going on with Trump in office and and what he was dealing with with the civil rights movement and Vietnam and, you know, all, all that was happening during that time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And... Uh, you know, he he also argued cases before the Hague and um, wow. uh, was part of part of the Iran Contra legal team too. I mean, all kinds of all kinds of great stuff. But, um, wow! Yeah, and he was a Democrat from Oklahoma, which is uh, oh wow, which uh, rare <laughs> back then and even rarer now. <laughs> yes,
0: no kidding. Um, okay, so here I want to see. Do I have this on your website? There is this like a lifetime of accomplishments. I, I I'm not going to read them all because there's so many of them, but I mean, so many. So many. Yeah. You're a grassroots organizer. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> uh, grassroots organizer and activist. Uh, you're a for- I, I said this in the intro. You're a former swing left national training director. You're a proud union member. That's SAG and AFTRA. Um, you're the host of a podcast. There's just all this st- stuff you do. Now I'm I'm curious. I, I want to talk to you a little bit about your acting and entertainment career but before i ask you about that i really want to know what motivated you to run for state assembly
1: yeah well like you just said i've done a lot of stuff especially around the entertainment business uh and you know i came from a political family we just talked about I, i left dc and came out here and um Initially, was a poli sci major when I went to college, but um, I thought maybe I'd follow in my dad's footsteps and practice law or something. But found the entertainment industry, and, and um, I'd always played music and um, and acted uh, as a kid, and I just was really, you know, excited about that. So um, I I did some work that I'm really proud of. I made some music that I'm really proud of. Uh, what you don't see on there is <laughs> that I had a uh, children's band for a number of years, wow. which started with me writing some songs for my daughter that were all about, um, you know, in- inclusiveness and acceptance and celebrating diversity, and uh, and I, I was really proud of of those shows. They were really really fun. But um, you know, then Trump was elected, mm-hmm. and I had spent. A lot of time volunteering on campaigns over the years, but I hadn't done much more than just like your typical volunteering. Mm -hmm. And when Trump was elected, I just, I knew I had to do more. I wanted to just flip my life upside down and, um, and help out where I could. I didn't realize the impact that I I could have, you know, like many of us, I would watch the news and think like, what can I do about that? There's nothing I can do about it. Right. Um, but I found, uh, indivisible groups. I found, uh, swing left was just about to launch and, uh, I helped launch swing left in California. And I found that I actually, there was a lot that I could do that. You can step out of your comfort zone a little Mm -hmm. bit and take action. And, um, and that we all have like our circle of influence. We're all influencers, no matter Mm -hmm. how big or small. And, and there's a lot that we can do. So, so that's how I got started. And then after seven years of, of dedicating all of my time to electing really great Democrats and, um, and working uh, to build these coalitions, it's like uh, I, it, this opportunity to serve came up and I, I couldn't resist. You know? yeah. I mean, I've just been looking at where can I make the best impact? Where can I be of service to people? You know, right, and and uh, this was part of a domino effect of Adam Schiff running for Senate Mm -hmm. and my assembly member Laura Friedman running for his congressional seat, and it leaves this open seat Mm. and just this humbling and awesome opportunity to serve at a level that would just be the honor of my lifetime. So, um, it's going to be really hard, Mm -hmm. it's going to be challenging. I've never run for office Mm -hmm. before, never really thought much about running for office before. Um but I've just been overwhelmed with the support that I've received already. And um, you know, it's the it's the persistence. It's yeah. the resistance turned into the persistence and hmm. uh, and we're gonna take it to Sacramento.
0: Yeah, I actually wrote that down because I that's such a great line. Um I you know I wanna ask you to because I am gonna ask you about your acting, but I was an <laughs> actor as you know uh, I used to be. I mean, I I didn't have lots of roles or anything. I was on Days of Days of Our Lives for seven years in a very small role. I was here, I was there, um, but I know. And you were
1: you were in a uh, you did some work in a class with my wife. Yes, too.
0: yes, yes. And and I just always it was so funny because you know we're we see each other online, and then I saw your wife and I'm like wait a minute. And then of course I also recognized her from Men of a Certain Age and uh And then I interviewed Mariah, and it was just like we talked about that. it was so cool but um I'm what you know i mean i'm i I'm, I'm an author, and then I've also considered myself to be an activist, and I've given speeches you know at the Capitol on women's rights, so I kind of have the answer to this question for myself, but I'm curious how you would answer it, which is how does your acting training help you engage voters and how do you how do you anticipate that it will help you in a campaign and as a public Official. That is such a great question,
1: um, and I'm really glad you asked it because I think in some really meaningful ways, um, like I've, uh, I've been an actor, not, not a whole lot of acting. I've been a f- uh, front person for a couple of different bands, mm-hmm. and I spent a decade <laughs> as a spin instructor
0: too. Oh, wow.
1: Um, and you would think all those things are unrelated, but what no. I found when I stepped into yes. this work, I had a, a real ability – to galvanize people and Hmm. to bring people together and to get them fired up Mm -hmm. and to get them engaged in this important work. And and that was something that was really exciting to me. When that started happening, um, you know, and people started calling me up and asking me to come speak at their meetings and to, you know, speak at different events and rallies and stuff like that. I was like, you know, uh for whatever it is. And, and I, I credit, you know, sort of my, maybe it's, I'm comfortable being in front of people and Mm -hmm. I've been doing it for many, many years. Um, I, I can, uh, communicate. I'm a good communicator. And, you know, when we want to make, you know, big change, we know that there are two components that are essential to making big change. And one is having legislatures, legislators that, have the will to take the tough votes Mm -hmm. and to champion our progressive policies. The second is we need the public behind them. Mm -hmm. We need activists uh, to be out there making noise and swaying public opinion. And that's the work that I've been doing for the last seven years on both sides. And so I think that's what is going to be really powerful coming into Sacramento and working on legislation and being able to pull these coalitions together to actually get it across the finish line, to put pressure on my other colleagues to take those Hmm. votes, um, because that's what it takes.
0: Wow. That's so cool. And, I'm, you know, as you were talking about that, I'm not even lying. I was, like, getting all these zings of, like, you know, oh, my God, I'm so grateful for people like you. (laughs) Because I think one of the things – I mean, I've talked with Simon – I don't know if you're familiar with Simon Rosenberg. He's a Democratic strategist. He focuses Mm -hmm. on optimism. And so people like you, I think, fill that um, description as far as being, like, an optimistic, uh, you know, candidate, Democrat – activist, whatever you want, however you want to be defined.
1: sometimes borderlines on like Pollyanna-esque naivete, but I'll take it because I'm just, uh, I'm I'm a hopey, changey kind of guy. So,
0: (laughs) Well, and you know what? I think it's really important. I I love somebody also like Rachel uh, Rachel Biddecoff, or I can't speak today, Mm -hmm. Um, because she is all about let's use fear, but not in the way that the Republicans use fear. Let's use fear in that let's tell everybody You know, really blatantly the the MAGA agenda, and let's scare the shit out of them so that they vote. And you know, I think it's funny because Democrats. I, I talked to Jamie Harrison on my show at the beginning. I believe it was 2022, and he was saying, you know, Democrats are Democratic voters are motivated by hope and I agree but I I think and I made this point to him that sometimes though when we feel comfortable we don't do anything and the proof is 2010 and 2014 because we had Barack Obama as president and we thought that was enough and we didn't show up for the midterms and so you know even though I think the the Democrats at in those uh, elections weren't necessarily hitting the mark they weren't getting behind the president they weren't getting behind the ACA and all that But still, the idea here is, is I think what we need to do, and I don't know if you do this, maybe you can explain your style, but I like the style of kind of like setting people up with, hey, this is what the republic, they want to ban books, they want to do X, Y, Z, they want to get rid of social security. But here's what the Democrats are going to do, you know, uh, for the people or whatever. So it's like, tell them the truth and then offer them a solution. So how are you planning to um, run and, and, and what is your message overall going to be?
1: Yeah, Uh, there's a lot there. I think you're absolutely correct about the, you know, fear Mm -hmm. versus hope. Unfortunately, uh, (laughs) fear is a bigger motivator. Mm -hmm. And we saw it like, you know, when uh, Obama launched his first campaign, you know, it was uh, it was a hope campaign. Mm -hmm. It was it was a hope and change campaign. Yes, we can. Mm -hmm. Si se puede. He he, uh, took that from Dolores Huerta uh, and who. You know, not to name drop, uh, <laughs> early endorsed my campaign, Yay! which is overwhelming. And
0: yes, but we'll talk about that later. That's awesome. Um,
1: but uh, we had like this new generation of activists and volunteers who uh, who were inspired by Obama's message and came up and started volunteering and getting involved in politics. Mm-hmm. Cut to Trump's election. The amount of people that showed up in in uh, response to fear, mm-hmm. in response to the rise of, of hate and and what Trump brought to it, mm-hmm. completely dwarfed the uh, yes. coalitions that Obama was able to build.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. So it just shows you that you know people, they they do they respond to fear and and, and um. But you know I, that's not my message. Like there's a lot of things that are, you know really really scary going on in Mm -hmm. the world right now um and uh and in terms of like how i am going to be talking to voters and how i'm talking to people it's it's the issues that affect all of us it's climate change Mm -hmm. right um which you know we need we've been really good about the the policies we've been implementing here in the state of california we need to go further Mm -hmm. and we need to go faster and uh, you know, it's uh, discredit to the scientists and the activists who have been yelling at us since you know for the last 50 years about this. Mm-hmm. We are uh, too late on this. And you know, we used to look at climate change as something that you know, oh, we need to do this for our children's grandchildren or whatever. No, it's right here. It's yeah. right now. <laughs> you know, we're seeing the devastation in real time. So, um, so that is everyone's top priority, as it should be.
0: Mm-hmm. And then
1: um, healthcare is a really personal issue to me and so many other people. And our healthcare system is completely backwards. Mm-hmm. It is completely upside down. Companies make millions and millions of dollars, billions of dollars off of people being sick. Mm-hmm. And until we start investing in keeping people healthy, uh, we will never have the equitable society – uh, that prevents people from having catastrophic uh, hospital bills and and being in debt or having you know just completely ruined by one accident or one mm-hmm. illness, so you know I was really fortunate when our daughter was born uh very premature she was she was three and a half months early, which weighed just wow. a and a half yeah she was she was in the hospital for four months, and we had great union health insurance through you mentioned Sagatra, mm-hmm. you know thank goodness for that mm-hmm. if we hadn't had that we would have been ruined but not you know not everyone has the same right. uh, support that we did so um so i'm dedicated to passing single single payer i'm mm-hmm. dedicated to passing calcare which is our version of medicare for all mm-hmm. um here in california and um it's looking like it's going to be kicked to 2024 so i would be so thrilled wow for that to be the the thing that i get to you know yeah. uh, to work on with my colleagues up there
0: Wow, that's really awesome. Um, Let me ask you this. Um, As far as the homeless problem in in California, now, I used to live out there, obviously. I haven't been out there. I haven't lived in Southern California since 2009. And my friends have told me, yeah, it's not the same. So, I mean, from my understanding, a lot of this has to do with – you know like the, I th- and I'm trying to remember there was somebody who did a podcast on it, and they were specifically talking about part of the problem was fentanyl or or drugs, and that you know you mm-hmm. have and and of course you add to that um, the ridiculous the, 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 the high rate the high rents um, high real estate yeah. prices then you know as far as how much people need like three jobs just to live in a cheap apartment and I mean, I know how expensive it is out there, and I'm sure it's worse now are you going to be working on anything like that? And if, you know, if you're, if, if you are, or if you're not, do you know, do you have any ideas about how to fix that problem in a way that is, um, not just arresting homeless people, you know, compassionate.
1: Oh yeah. Well, definitely that's top of mind for everyone here and, Mm -hmm. and something that I will be working on, uh, for sure. When I talk about the environment and healthcare that Mm -hmm. has, those issues have a direct, uh, you know, correlation yeah. to people who are experiencing homelessness, to our right. unsheltered Californians, um, and uh, you know that crippling medical debt. You mm-hmm. know that you know causes people to make choices between paying the rent or paying for drugs mm-hmm. that they need to survive. Mm-hmm. Right, um, and then uh, you know climate. Is is going to play an increasingly larger role as we see climate refugees, you know, moving out of uh, areas that are becoming less inhabitable, and it's always going to affect the most marginalized people mm-hmm. the most. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I, I am uh, really happy with the work that Mayor Bass is doing and the emergency declarations that she's done. It's going to save lives here in Los Angeles four to five people are dying every day on the streets, wow. uh, it, it's heartbreaking. And so we need to address this, uh, with compassion, mm-hmm. as you said, mm-hmm. and we need to address it with urgency. Yeah. But I also want to make the point that, uh, this is not a, a uniquely LA problem right. or even a California problem. This is a societal failing. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, we have a structural problem with our, uh, with how we help people Yeah. and, um, and this isn't like a left or right issue, this is a top bottom issue. Mm-hmm. And until we really make a commitment to invest in programs that lift up people who need help the most, uh, we will never be able to get a handle on, on people experiencing homelessness and, and, and people who are struggling just to get by.
0: Wow, really good point. Um, we have to take a quick break, but we'll be back after this message. Hey, this is Kimberly. If you're not already my patron, just visit patreon.com slash start me up. You can take a look at all the tiers and decide how you want to support the show. Thank you so much. Okay, we're back. So as far And we're back. And we're back. Right. Uh, like <laughs> um, I'm just looking here through my notes. I was just thinking what you were saying and I'm like, I'm... I'm I really hope that can be figured out because I just, I know how difficult that must be all around for everybody involved, the homeless people, people having to to deal with that and understand. I mean, I don't know how hard it would be to, well, I do know how hard it is, but you know, to like walk out of your home and see all these other people not having a home. It's just awful. It's an awful feeling. And you can't, you know, you one person can't save everybody so that people like you are extremely important who care and want to do the compassionate thing because I and I'm so grateful Karen Bass got elected because I can't remember the other guy's name I just didn't trust him at all and I just figured he would you know Caruso Caruso. spent
1: 40 $40 million dollars
0: on that campaign
1: imagine and in in saying that he wanted to help, you know <laughs> take care of people uh, experiencing homelessness. Yeah, uh, imagine what forty million dollars could do really uh, and in helping to fast track these uh, the bridge housing and the uh, you know supportive housing that we need to build in the city. So yeah, just saying,
0: um, wow, <sighs> that's crazy. Um, okay, let me ask you this because you you mentioned um, the indivisible groups and things like that, and here you are just a regular person, and you're like, what can I do? What I, I want, what what I want to do over the next two years, uh, at least with my voice, in part, is to kind of like put out that optimistic message, to put out the message that hey, we actually do have an impact, and it's funny because. I started for MSW Media, I started a spoutable page. And so I said, you know, Christopher Boozy on that, uh, on that page, I said, Christopher Boozy is giving us an opportunity here to change our, you know, the way we um, experience social media in that, you know, he will be going after targeted harassment, he won't allow foreign adversary, foreign adversaries to, you know, post a post ads or want to take money from them to post disinformation he's not going to allow for covid disinformation so even though you know i i would hope that any new website it's not going i don't want to be part of a liberal bubble or anything like that i want to have debates and and i kind of (laughs) do but i mean it's nice to talk to people who you disagree with when there's no hate involved when it when it's not about hate because some you know i think a lot of the times and it's hard to find in in this climate, but conservatives and liberals basically want the same thing. The argument is how to get it. And at least it used to be. And now the argument is not how to get it. The argument is how to own the libs and how to be as mean spirited as possible if you're on the right, unfortunately. And so that it doesn't look like that's going to be there. there. You know, hopefully there will be disagreements and, and and debate and everything. But anyway, so when I posted this thing, I, I, I somebody replied and, and they felt like there's not much to be hopeful. I've been around the block now. I've seen what's happening. I don't know if we can have this. I don't know if we can have a disagreement thing and everybody gets along. And of course, like you said, I'm kind of, I'm not a Pollyanna, but it's like, I take, it's like, I'm still going to take the optimistic attitude. So what I want to ask you, with all that in mind, because there are these, you know, uh, Alison Gill and I like to refer to them as democratic Eeyores, you know, the the people who just have no more faith. <laughs> yeah. And they're just all negative all the time. And I mean, I get it. I get why you fe- why you feel that way. But taking on that perception is not going to help us win. So what do you what do you see out there that's What do we have to be optimistic about and and why are you optimistic? Even if Mm -hmm. you're freaked out, you know what I mean? Yeah,
1: there is a lot to be optimistic about. And and that's something that I always highlight on our podcast on how we win. Mm -hmm. Uh, Every episode we talk about reasons for hope. And the last question that I ask everyone we interview is what gives you hope? Hmm. Um, because there is a lot to be hopeful about. And and like you said, it's easy to get despondent mm-hmm. um, uh, because there's really dire issues that we're grappling with and, and they're serious. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we need to center ourselves in hope uh, and and we need to, to keep doing this important work. Um, so I'll tell you two, two primary things that are giving me hope right now. Um, one is the community. Mm -hmm. So, uh, doing this work is like I said, it's, it's, it's tough work. Um, it's relentless and there's some dark and important issues we're dealing with, but when you're in community with other people doing this work, this work, when you're hanging out with volunteers and other activists and you're, you know, at the coffee shop after the meeting, just hanging out together, you find this great joyful communion with each other Hmm. which lifts everybody up and keeps them moving and the great the greatest example of this is who we were just talking about karen bass Mm -hmm. every time i see karen bass she has a big smile on her face Hmm. and this joyful hopeful energy Hmm. because she is she is uh in community with people doing this work and finding that joy yeah so so that that's number one and and when we were in the midst of a pandemic and we were organizing digitally and through zoom, we lost a lot of that. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and we had all these great new people like myself. I consider myself class of 2016 who Mm -hmm. got involved and found that community. And then we lost a little bit Mm -hmm. uh, of that. So that's coming back and bringing people together again. That's really exciting.
0: And then (laughs) the,
1: the other thing that's really tangible for me are, uh, Gen Z, And Mm -hmm. the young voters. Mm -hmm. So you look at the map from the last election, and we always look at our red and blue states. Mm -hmm. You look at how Gen Z voted, the entire country was blue. Every single state, Gen Z voted blue. I'm talking about Alabama,
0: right? I'm talking about
1: (laughs) North Dakota. I'm talking about everywhere, blue. Um, It's really exciting. We had record turnout for first-time voters in this last election Mm -hmm. for these Gen Z voters. Mm Now, we know from our organizing work that if people don't vote the first opportunity that they have to vote, it's incredibly difficult to get them engaged in politics until they're 30. Mm -hmm. So there's this decade, this lost decade of people that's so hard to engage with. But like I said, we had record turnout with these Gen Z voters who engaged in their first election. And we also know that when people vote, especially with the first chance they get, it becomes part of their identity. It becomes Mm. part of who they are and they become voters for life. So, you know, we have this trend of young people who are voting progressive Mm -hmm. and, um, and the other trend line that is, is really encouraging is uh, typically voters get more conservative or they have in the past as they get older, but that is not the case anymore. We're seeing from Gen X, uh, down to gen z uh voters are staying progressive if not getting more progressive Mm -hmm. um so that that shows the long game that there's a lot of hope you know and Mm -hmm. the the results of the last election bore that out in in all the wins we had especially in in state houses we didn't uh lose a single uh, chamber uh in Mm -hmm. a state house in the last election that's incredible yeah Uh, so uh, a lot to be hopeful for
0: Wow. So what what can somebody do, especially right now, we're two years out, oftentimes people kind of feel like there's nothing they can do if they're going to do anything at all outside of voting until right before the election. But I know that there are things that we can do. Of course, there's social media and like with, with a site, you know, like Spoutable, where we know there's not going to be targeted harassment and stuff like that. I think there's a real opportunity to um have positive messages ring even louder on websites run by CEOs who are compassionate and and like I said you know we allow for they allow for debate and everything but it's it's not this horrible hate thing. So I think there's an opportunity with that. But like what can the average voter do um right now if they want to get involved but they just don't know how?
1: Yeah. There's two immediate things right now. Um, one is, is a little bit long-term, but over the next couple of years, as you said, um, communities are going to start seeing the effects of this uh, transformative and incredible legislation that mm-hmm. the last Congress passed. Mm-hmm. Um, these projects are going to come home. They're going to get more jobs. They're going to uh, see uh, see relief come to them in, in drug prices, um, investment in environmental uh, protections. So – that's all going to start happening like we always talk about the best argument is Mm -hmm. make people's lives better right so people's lives are going to be made better because of this but the really important thing is that we shout this from the rooftops Mm -hmm. that it was democrats that passed this legislation Mm -hmm. and republicans fought us on it fought us on it every single step of the way Mm -hmm. it's so important that we don't (laughs) <laughs> that we're not humble about this yeah. and that we uh, and that we crow about these accomplishments because i'll tell you who is shamelessly going to be talking about it it's the republicans in those districts who fought it mm-hmm. they're going to be taking credit for it yeah. they're going to be going to their voters and saying look at this great project look at these great jobs look, look at what's going on in your district and uh, and so it's really important and that's where like, like I said, we're all influencers. We mm-hmm. all have, you know, whether it's just our, our our table with our family and our friends or mm-hmm. if you have a, a bigger social media presence or whatever it is, you know, get the word out there. Make sure people know that Democrats delivered, that Biden delivered for this. Um that that's the most important job we have. And then, you know, I can talk about some like more specific electoral work that's coming up, like the um wisconsin supreme court uh race which is on april 4th that's a very important uh important election that has you know major ramifications Mm -hmm. for the presidential in 2024 um so you know i encourage people to get involved in that as well
0: wow yeah and that's something that we don't always think about so many times we think in terms of just a general election or general and midterms but there are always elections going on and you you know you should just take a look where, where would you recommend to find out just your your election the the board of elections in your state I would imagine would just have it all listed and there's so much that we can do um, that we don't even think about and I think you made a really great point when you were like well what you know watching the news and feeling like what can I do and then just stepping out of your comfort zone I know that you know I mean I got involved in politics not necessarily I mean I was already kind of in politics but I had written this open letter to Rush Limbaugh from a liberal slut and after he called Sandra <laughs> Fluke a slut and so you yeah. know that that I didn't intend Sandra to...
1: Fluke is a, is a good friend of mine oh
0: really way. and yeah I've met her a couple times she's very cool and so you know I I um I just was an author at the time, trying to get noticed for my book, and you know, and I was writing blogs, and I just couldn't stand him, so I wrote that blog in it, and that was the reason I even got involved into you know, in blogging, political blogging, and now doing everything that I'm doing. Um, and I gave, you know, yes, I was an actress, and I've been in front of the camera, but going and giving speeches at the Capitol is kind of daunting and overwhelming, and definitely not in my comfort zone. And I know not everybody is going to do that. But at the same time, no matter what it is, there is always something that you can do, um, you know, whether it's out of your comfort zone or whatever, that you can actually make a difference, a real difference in helping. And I, I, I just feel like, I'm kind of split because every day we wake up for the most part and we see something horrible. Something that, you know, and it's usually more than one thing. It's several different news stories that come down our feeds whether it's on cable or not it, and it's upsetting and yeah, you you can feel despondent and all this, but on the other hand, what I'm what I'm thinking and I'm wondering if you agree about this is all of the crazy shit we're watching with the Republicans, the way they behave, they're, 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 I don't know, the other day, I think it was the the GOP account on Twitter, I'm not sure if it was them or House Judiciary, whatever it was, said something about Gen Z and really derogatory. And I thought, way to capture that vote. But it's like, I think that we have <laughs> they're such... So, they're,
1: <laughs> really, they're really not smart
0: they're not
1: i don't know how to say this but they really aren't learning their lessons at all
0: they're not not at all and i and the the uh, we are i think the democrats are really finding their voice as far like as a whole and i don't just mean the party i mean all of us voters strategists leaders everybody and then you know on the other side of it yeah we're seeing a bunch of chaos and anger and hatred and i think that's going to work to our benefit do you feel that
1: I do. Like you know, I mean I I just said like the first one of the big waves that helped us, you know, uh, push back any kind of red wave in this last election was all the people stepping up you know, in the wake of Roe being
0: overturned Right. Yes.
1: And uh, and stepping forward for women's rights and you know women's bodily autonomy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then like the first pieces of legislation <laughs> that they're trying to introduce is restricting abortion mm-hmm. access right. even more.
0: Mm-hmm. you know
1: even mm-hmm. though like you know the public clearly, clearly is in favor, oh, surprise surprise <laughs> of, of having their rights you know and right. not having their rights <laughs> taken away right um and and so like they just don't seem to learn these lessons they've been completely subsumed by this maga faction which Mm -hmm. is a you know small minority that has managed to take power uh in uh, over the republicans in just every every single way um you know it's it's interesting to watch you know um and and i don't (laughs) i don't mean i don't mean to be like uh dismissive because um you know we're on a knife's edge, you know, Mm -hmm. we're we're literally battling against fascism. Mm -hmm. And and we uh you know, we had a big battle in this last election that uh I'm very relieved with the way it Mm -hmm. turned out, except, you know, we did lose the House. And um, you know, uh I don't take for granted the damage that this Republican Party can still do. So I don't mean to be flippant about it, but um but they just don't seem to learn lessons. They don't seem to connect with the overwhelming. I mean, look at you talk about horrible things that we see every single day. You know, the gun violence Mm -hmm. that we see in our country, Mm -hmm. 90 percent of our electorate favors stronger, common sense gun regulations. Mm -hmm. That's including Republicans. That's including NRA members. Mm -hmm. Ninety percent favor that gun violence is the number one killer of our children,
0: yeah.
1: the number one killer of people under 21 years of age is guns. Mm-hmm. If we can't come together and pass, you know, meaningful gun legislation. Yeah. How, what are we as a society? Yeah. How are we serving our people? And it's this faction of MAGA Republicans that are blocking that way, and they are on the wrong fucking mm-hmm. side of history.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and
1: it's going gonna, it's gonna to come home. It's going to be a, a, a painful journey, and just like any other fight, you know, there's going to be blows hit on each side. But, um, but I believe that brighter days will come. A better future will come.
0: Yes, me too. You know, I also I I don't know if you know the answer to this, but I'm just going to ask you how you feel about it. You know, the idea that we're going to have this debt ceiling thing come up, and I heard somebody, and I don't know who it was, but I was watching MSNBC one night, and a pundit was talking about the fact that maybe some of these Republicans in blue states like California might actually side with Democrats, whether it's the debt ceiling or it would be on some weird extreme legislation. In order to, because obviously those blue state Republicans, if I just said Democrats, I mean blue, sp- blue state Republicans want to be reelected. And so what do you think about that? Do you think that's a possibility that whether it's California or another another blue state, do you think Republicans or some of them are going to feel like it behooves them to side with the Democrats so they can get reelected? Or are they just going to go with MAGA?
1: Um you know after telling you how hopy i am i'm going <laughs> to say they're going to go with maga i don't i don't see them uh, siding okay. with, with democrats i think that they saw what happened to republicans that uh stood up for democracy mm-hmm.
0: you know mm-hmm. and
1: um they all lost their primaries and they're all they're all gone you know
0: yeah
1: um you know i th- i think if they're they're going to be more worried about their own skin and um and more worried about the the loud maga you know, chant in their ear. So, um, no, I, I don't, I don't see Republicans, uh, working with Democrats, which is too bad because there are Democrats who, uh, who would welcome that, you know, we welcome bipartisan, you know, work together and, you know, we, we want to build broad coalitions, but, um,
0: yeah, I don't, I don't,
1: I'm not, not hopeful about that one.
0: Oh well, well, we'll just have to wait and see. Sorry. Um, I just I mean, yeah, I had
1: I had this great hopeful like long arc of history rant. But we have to then, be realists. And then you threw that. I'm like, no, that's not. How. But we have to we have
0: to be realists and it it's important to be realistic. I did say it was
1: a long arc yeah. of history, right? <laughs> nothing uh, nothing much is going to happen in these next couple of years with yeah. this, with this Congress.
0: Definitely. I have a couple more things to ask you, but I just want to kind of bring up the fact that we got the news today about Fulton County, Georgia grand jurors. Uh, So we don't know who it is, but they concluded that one or more Witnesses in a probe into possible election meddling by Donald Trump may have lied under oath, and they're recommending a prosecutor pursue criminal indictments. So I saw somebody had posted a picture of all the redactions, and I don't know if it was all the names. It was like I don't know six or seven pages. It was a lot of redactions. Um, So I'm I'm curious about this. What you have to say about possible indictments? I think you know we we've we've got this one. We've got the stolen documents. Obviously, there's the J6 situation going on. I don't know if we're going to see an indictment in that investigation, but there's going to probably be more than one indictment. And I would assume that with Donald Trump, there may be a couple of indictments because of a couple of different investigations. So I'm, I'm wondering what you think about that. If you think, A, there are going to be like, are you on the side of I don't think anything is going to happen or I do? And if, if there are indictments, how do you anticipate this playing out?
1: Um, I mean, he's just in so much trouble from so many different places, and I, I, I would think that there would be indictments, and and I, I would be um, surprised if uh, if Donald Trump himself isn't indicted yeah, for one or more of the things that you just mentioned.
0: Yeah,
1: um, you know, there are are prosecutors who are. Dedicated to the rule of law, and no one is above the law. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I I just think that's coming. When it comes, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and until he is actually prosecuted, and either you know, I don't know if he'll do jail time or if he's disqualified from holding
0: office, right, yeah.
1: he will still be uh, the absolute front runner mm-hmm. for the Republican <laughs> nomination, which tells you everything you need to know. About this shit show of a Republican Party right now, and and the um, clown car of election, <laughs> you know, primaries that we're about to embark on here. No, that's going to
0: be fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: it's. Um, but you know, I I hope I'm, I'm being flippant. I I I hope that we see some indictments soon. I haven't had a chance to look at the. Um, what was released by the grand jury that you're just referring to excited to look at that um his exposure is crazy Mm -hmm. and um you know if he isn't then we have a really serious discussion to have about our justice department our legal system but i don't don't believe that's the case i i i believe we'll see stuff i just don't know when allison's got a really good beat on this she's always like Yeah, um, Alison Gill, our, right. our mutual friend. She uh, she is like has this great combination of knowledge, patience mm-hmm. and urgency in <laughs> how she you know addresses this stuff. And um so yeah, we'll have we'll have to see. It's yeah. exciting.
0: <laughs> I know it is, and I'm with you hundred <laughs> percent. I agree with you hundred percent on all of it. Yeah. I don't know where it's gonna go and I am Kind of with Allison. I know she gets in she gets a lot of crap for being a Garland cheerleader, but I don't I don't see her being a cheerleader. I just see her taking a pragmatic approach to this and that's how I look at it. And so I you know, and I do not I'm not a legal person at all. So I would not even pretend to try to do that. I am not anyone. either, but I can
1: I am a pretty good guitar player. So I think <laughs> you should listen to my
0: legal analysis. <laughs> okay, you know what? So this goes to my last question. I saved it for the last. I just want to know a little bit about your entertainment, acting, music, whatever you've done in the past career, Um, just because I'm also a creative person and I always love listening to creative people talk about their journeys and what they've done. So can can you start just by explaining where you where your interest came in when you wanted to be an actor um, and then how that morphed into behind the camera and also, you know, what you've done with music?
1: Wow, um,
0: I know it's a lot, but you know <laughs> it's a lot. It's a fun
1: question to, to ask. You know, I've uh, I've bounced around in this in this crazy entertainment business for a long time. You know, um, like I said, I I went to essentially film school mm-hmm. and um, uh, had you know sort of a, a dual major of acting for the camera and film production. Hmm. And uh, you know, I never really did much in the way of of acting. I had a few few roles. And, um, you know, my wife, uh, Melinda McGraw is an astoundingly talented actor. And, uh, you know, when I met her, I was really like, okay, she's an actor. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'd always played music and, and loved playing music, but never thought that that would be a career. Mm -hmm. And I started getting work as a composer and, and working, you know, scored a few films and, um, you know i had a couple of bands i had a uh, like a blues rock band that sort of took off mm-hmm. in that very small blues rock world <laughs> and was you know so i toured playing festivals and
0: How fun. and you
1: know crappy blues clubs <laughs> and um you know uh just loved doing that and yeah. then when my daughter was born uh realized that you know that blues musician maybe not a <laughs> uh, job, actually, an actual job. It is for some people, but right. pretty rare. Um so I shifted to um you know, keeping and doing some composing, but also post production sound work. Mm. And um and that's where I've really over the last twenty years made my career is as a sound engineer and, and mixer and hmm. um I owned a sound studio here in Hollywood. Um, and a little boutique sound shop and and so i've been a small business owner dealing with that and and um i've worked on all kinds of projects in that capacity with all kinds of you know amazing actors and uh it's been really fun and really rewarding and i've done a lot of work that i'm I'm really proud of but um you know on to a new journey
0: yes yes so interesting though that's so cool Um, I just love hearing about the creative parts of people because that's just always been my thing. You know, I've always I've always been into it. And and it's funny because I'm going to go back to real quick when I asked you about how your skills as an entertainer, you know, are benefiting you now. And I I used to be in sales as well. So I've had uh, experience as a salesperson. And I've also been an actor. And I can so, see that. Yeah. So I that like, you were a great salesperson. <laughs> I, I was. I think the thing, the thing about me, though, is that I never wanted to kill myself. You know, I never wanted to be chained to a job. So I always looked for uh, sales jobs that were outside, where I didn't have to check into an office and would really like it if, like, the office was in another state or if they just left me alone, and but yeah, and, and I I'm not like a pushy salesperson unless I feel the person, and I got this from acting. It's like you you get a read on people, and you know I learned I don't know what you studied if you when you studied acting, but I studied the Meisner technique, which is basically mm-hmm. to be in that moment, and so you know read off of the other person, and so I think that is how you know it helped me in my sales, but it also helps me in doing what I'm doing. Although I don't always do the best when it comes to knee jerk. I try not to have a knee jerk reaction, you know, but occasionally sometimes I see Derp Jr. or Ted Cruz or something and I just can't, I can't hold it in. So, um, yeah, I, we're so- going to have this, we're going to have to see how I do
1: <laughs> as a candidate because right? apparently you're <laughs> supposed to be disciplined as a candidate and, and all that stuff. And, uh, you know,
0: We'll, well, well I will I will, how, how how will say this for me. I will say this as a as just a regular voter, um, I love to see candidates I mean, of course you want to see them behaving, you know, in a respectable way and all that, but I love to see them really just going for the jugular in a professional way. So I mean like you look at somebody like Eric Swalwell, um, I mm-hmm. you know, or even Fetterman or something like that. So I'm I, I love when they, when they just show balls, you know, I hate to say balls cause it's like a stupid term, but whatever. It's like cojones, whatever. Show your spine. Strength. I love it. They want,
1: they want to be strength. That's what, yeah. that's what we want from Democrats mm-hmm. right now. And mm-hmm. that's what, you know, when you look at polling and you see where voters are at, they want Democrats to be strong. Yes, they don't want people to be reactive. They don't want our, our politicians to be reactive. They don't want us to be back on our heels and, and always responding yeah. to everything. They want us to be out in and front, front. Yes, you know, championing our positions, mm-hmm. championing the values that we have, and being strong about it. So, you know, that, awesome. That's that's who I am. That's yeah. that's how I I behave anyway. So, um, so hopefully. <laughs> You know, whether that resonates with voters or not, I can't help it. That's who I am. So,
0: Very cool. Well, I'm definitely going to want to have you back on the show as uh, your, you know, your whole campaign progresses and all of this. So thank you for visiting. But before I let you go, tell everybody where to find you.
1: You can please go to, uh, here's me being very candid. (laughs) Uh, Go to PearsonForCalifornia.com. That's P-I-E-R-S-O-N for the word for for california.com and um you know we are uh, a people powered campaign uh this campaign is uh one that a lot of people don't pay attention to you mm-hmm. know the state assembly mm-hmm. so you know wherever your listeners are you're like why should i really care about a, a los angeles area state assembly race well you know we're the fourth largest economy in the world. Mm -hmm. California is. Our budget is about $280 billion. And the decisions that we make, the progressive policies that we are able to implement, have an effect on how we implement those in the rest of the country and have an effect on us globally as well, especially when we're talking about the, the work that we do here on the environment. So it is very important and it's something that a lot of people don't pay attention to, and so I really would love for your listeners to pay attention to it. And any contribution you could make would be you know, really wonderful. Every small amount shows that we are building a grassroots army to take up to Pasadena. The Pasadena.
0: We'll go up to Pasadena,
1: why not? <laughs> but we're also going to go up to Sacramento because uh, the persistence is coming.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, the persistence is coming. Um, very, very, very cool. Yes. I also put your links Um, to everything in the Patreon description so please everybody go follow him I know we're all going to be seeing a lot more of him because the uh, liberal podcast community loves you and we all have your back so definitely on social media you're going to be prominently featured I am author Kimberly on Twitter yes well and we're grateful for you I am author Kimberly on Twitter, K I M B E R L E Y. I'm on Spoutable, Kimberly Johnson. Steve, it was amazing talking to you. Thank you for writing, and thank you for being a guest on my show.
1: Thank you for having me. Can't wait to talk to you again.